Oh, he's an aching head. <laughs> oh, Popeye. Okay, why am I doing Popeye and olive oil impressions right out of the gate? Oh, what is wrong with me? Well, whatever is wrong with me, hopefully it's not wrong with the show, because I think we have a good one today, people. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, museums, uh, the trips that you take to the museum. Is it fun or is it boring? We're going to be talking about neckties. For all you guys that have had to tie ties, uh, there's going to be a whole segment about that. Uh, we're going to be talking about what it's like to be a kid again, going back, regressing, being being childlike. Is it good for you? I think so. And lastly, something that's not good for me, I don't think. It's Friday. i got to visit Dr. Ascot. But nonetheless, I'm glad you're here on the Harlan Highway. <laughs> Just made a wrong turn. Would you kindly shut your mouth? Onto the Harland Highway. Oh, it's lovely. It's just lovely. The Harland Highway. Hi, Harlan. I'm Teddy Ruxpin, and I'm your friend. Riding down the Harland Highway. I'm not your daddy. <sighs> Captain, I think we've hit something. What is it, man? I think it was an iceberg. Yeah, that was the fate of the Titanic. It looks like some people are uh, planning to start an exhibit around the country. They're going to bring up 300 items that they got from the the ocean's floor. They've got a whole bunch of uh, relics and artifacts from the Titanic. They're going to bring them to museums all over the country. I don't know. Are you guys lining up for that one? Look, Mommy, it's a soggy hairbrush. Oh, boy! <laughs> look, children, look at the seaweed on that chair. Ooh, have you ever seen a chair with seaweed, children? Ooh! Look at that propeller. There's barnacles on it. I've never seen barnacles like that. What a treat! What a museum time treat! Can we go get some popcorn now, Daddy? And you can grind it in my face? <laughs> Seems like a stretch to me. How about just throw your kids' dinky toys in the bathtub and go diving? Yeah, the whole museum experience can be kind of uh, weird. Um, you know, do you get that that museum fatigue when you go to, like, uh, the Smithsonian or you go to an art gallery or you go any exhibit? It's like you kind of have that burnout period where the first, like, 20 minutes, you're just kind of, like, in awe. You're like, oh, my God, look at that. A stuffed saber-toothed tiger. Oh, my God, a mummified corpse from ancient Egypt. Oh, my God, a Tyrannosaurus Rex. All its bones, it towers over me. Oh, my God, what, it's about 40 feet tall. Look at the size of its teeth. <sighs> Where the hell's the cafeteria? Right? As, as fascinating as it is, you kind of hit that museum wall. It's almost like there's too much stuff in a museum. You know? It's like uh, it's like anything. When you get to a mall or an antique store, at first you're like, oh, my God, look at all this stuff. Oh, my God, I can't absorb enough of it. More, more, more input, more input. And then 
Oh, does any does this museum have like an ancient sleeping bag and a pillow from the pioneer days that I could just maybe curl up in for a little bit? <laughs> right? It's weird. It's like you're around these dinosaur bones that you know are millions of years old. Somehow we figured it all out. We pieced them together. People spent years in the desert under the blazing sun excavating these almost impossible-to-find bones. And you're standing in the shadow of a brontosaurus, and you're like, God, is that French fries I smell from the cafeteria? Huh. I better get moving. So it is fascinating, but it, it, it is hard to sustain sometimes. Um, I was at the Smithsonian Institution last year, and that place is just, it's almost like you don't have time to look at what's in front of you. You're standing there looking at, uh, you know, the spirit of St. Louis, you know, the famous airplane, and all of a sudden out of the corner of your eye, you see Apollo 13, and then out of the corner of another eye, you see uh, the world's biggest collection of butterflies. And then out of the corner of your other eye, you see some hot MILF. Wait, no, what? Hold on, sorry. Uh, then out of the corner of your other eye, you see, uh, you know, a stuffed giant elephant. So you never have, you never dedicate the time to, to something. You don't really absorb the magnificence. The magnificence. <laughs> Learn to speak, Harlan. Okay. Um, you don't really have time to absorb the magnificence. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm stuck on a word, folks. There it is. Magnif- magnificence. Magnificence. Forget it. You know what I mean. All right? I just picture me running down the track in the Olympics, jumping the hurdles so fluently. So fluidly, and then boom, I hit a hurdle and just go tumbling down to the track. That word just tripped me up. But anyways, you're absorbing everything there, and you you just go, oh, my God, uh, that's really great, but I got to get to the next thing. And, oh, this is amazing, but what's that over there? Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. So, yeah, that's called uh, museum ADD syndrome, I guess. And sometimes you ever go to uh, an exhibit, you're kind of excited to see it, and you get there, and it's a disappointment. Or even worse, it makes you feel sick. Let me tell you about an exhibit I went to. I don't know if you've seen this. I'm sure you have because it's a traveling exhibit. And what it is, it's a bunch of cadavers. It's a bunch of corpses, real human bodies that have had their flesh peeled away. So you rate down to their anatomy. You can see their muscles and their tissue, and they've been preserved somehow. I think I talked about this before um, on an earlier podcast, but it's just uh, it's one of these things when you first get there, like, oh, my God, look at the, look at the, the cadavers, man. And then by about, you know, after you've seen about seven of them, your mind's going, wait a minute. These are real people. These aren't even like wax dummies or fake. These are like real peeled bodies. 
Who the hell set this exhibit up? Predator? Remember Predator in the jungle? He just peeled the skin off of his victims? You know, I'm just waiting for some guy with giant dreadlocks. What the hell is that clicking noise, man? Won't you come this way? But anyways, there you go. Uh, museum. Museum fatigue. And I certainly hope you don't feel that when you're going through the Harlan Highway archives and are listening to previous episodes. Please don't get highway fatigue. You know what happens if you get tired while you're driving down the highway? You'll roll off the road and hit a baby deer. But maybe, maybe that's what you want. You sadistic freaks. Well, if you're going to hit a deer, just make sure you peel its body and hang it over your fireplace. What? Hi, this is Harlan Williams from the Harlan Highway. And for those of you who have never tied a tie or forget how to tie a tie, let me run you through the process now so that you need never worry about this process again. First of all, put the tie around your neck. Fold the right side over the left side. Now the left side back over the right. Pull the right side up through the back. Bend and push through the loop in the front. Flip the back side up over the front. Twist the back side. Pull tight and flip the left side through the hoop. Twist both sides around. Tie in a knot. Twist them back through the hoop and pull tightly. Congratulations, you've just relearned how to tie a tie here on the Harland Highway. (laughs) Yes, tying a tie. I don't know about most of you men out there, but, uh, you know, I was one of these kids that had to go to boarding school when I was a kid, and I had to go to Catholic school when I was a kid, and we had to learn how to tie a damn tie. There's just something wrong about a, a, a kid that's 11 years old waking up every day and putting on a tie. What am I? What am I, a Wall Street guy? What am I, a banker? Why the hell would you put a kid in a tie? It was torture, man. And then, of course, you know, there, there, there's always uh, the kids, you know, their imaginations run wild. So, uh, you know, who just wants a tie? How can I get creative with this thing? How can I cause damage? How can I hurt someone with this tie? Right? That's what kids think about. So inevitably, we'd always undo our ties, and we learned how to snap them. We learned how to snap our ties the way you snap a whip. We were like Indiana Jones, man. Ha! Ha! We'd get into tie fights. We'd be there at boarding school in the back hallways. Guys are like Clint Eastwood, you know, meeting in the hallway of the boarding school. Take off your tie. You take off your tie. Let's do this. Kids would all gather around, 
Watch the tie fight. Snap! Ow! Snap! Ah! All the kids are cheering. Get them! Whip them! Whip them! Snap them! Ah! It was unbelievable. <laughs> so that's what we did with our ties. You probably used to probably used to do it with your towels. You know when you snap someone with a wet towel. That's what the ties were like, man. That's what kids do. You can't you can't have a kid pretend to be an adult and make him tie a tie. That's not a tie. That's a whip. Okay. So just be careful what you give the kids as you try to, you know, make them seem older and more grown up. <laughs> Trust me, kids will always find a way to pull it back and bring it down to their own level. Ah! Oh, yes, kids are so inventive, the masters of destruction. <laughs> gotta love it, gotta love it, gotta love it. And um, I guess eventually we all have to grow up, right? And you balance, you know, you balance the the immaturity that you had as a kid with what you're going through now as an adult, as you deal with uh, adult-style problems. And you look back and you go, man, how simple was life? You know, a tie fight. I meet a guy in the hallway who's got a tie. I've got a tie. We have a tie fight. We snap at each other and we go on our merry way. That, that's, that's what happened during the day of a kid. Nowadays, you wake up and you're like, oh, God, do I... Do I say anything to my boss? And uh, ooh, I'm having problems with the girlfriend. And oh man, I don't have quite as much money as I was hoping to have saved up at the end of the year. And uh, boy, oh boy, I wonder if I should go to that social function uh, because you know who might be there. And uh, you know, if I show up, what's that going to say about me? And uh, oh man, how come that guy has a better cell phone than I have? And ah. You see where I'm going with this? It wasn't a great being a kid. <laughs> so here's what I'm going to say to you folks, okay? <laughs> this is I've been giving you a lot of homework lately, but I'm going to do it again. Do something this week. Do something today. Maybe do something every day that reminds you of being a kid. You know, just shut off all the crap I just mentioned, the cell phones and the jobs and the social functions and... Try and regress your mind a little or simplify your mind and, and think of something kind of childish and innocent and playful that you can inject into your day or into, even into your week just to lighten the load psychologically and spiritually. And you know what? I think I just found the answer. Listen to the Harlan Highway. <laughs> because if you haven't figured it out, that's probably half the reason I do this podcast. <laughs> it truly lets me just uh, have fun, be kind of like a kid, talk about goofy things. And uh, I hope that's part of why you're riding along with me. 
<laughs> because I hope uh, the humor and the silliness helps take you a step backwards and helps you think of a simpler, funner, more innocent time and lets you shut off all the other crap three days a week for half an hour. So there you go. Look at that. We're doing it together. Uh, But outside of this, you know, try and find something in your immediate environment that allows you, affords you the uh, time to just roll it back a little. Roll back the clock and uh, find the simple things and enjoy. Because as we get older, as you know, our problems stack up and then you end up like me. Every Friday in therapy with this idiot, Dr. Ascot. Hey, everybody. This is Harlan Williams here on the Harlan Highway. It's Friday. Happy Friday. Happy Friday for you. Not so much for me because every Friday I have to do this therapy session with the in-house therapist, Dr. Ascot powers the bee think I have a nut loose, so it's a mandatory job requirement. Hello, Dr. Ascot. Hello, Holland. So what do we have to do today? Holland. What? Holland. What? I'm asking you what we're doing today. Holland, today I want to delve into your deepest, darkest fears. What's that going to accomplish? Holland, by acknowledging our deepest, darkest fears, we release them, and it opens us up to be freer to the things around us, Holland. Okay, that sounds a little bit hokey to me. Holland. Don't just say my name all the time. What? Stop it! Look, what what do we have to do? Tell me your deepest, darkest fears, Arland. <sighs> All right, I'm still scared of the dark. Okay, I I I still don't like a room with all the lights out. I don't like the dark. <laughs> what was that? What, Arland? Were you just laughing at me? No, Harlan, that wouldn't be good therapy. Well, what were you... I was clearing my throat, Harlan. Please continue. Well, I, that's all there is. I don't like the dark. <laughs> what are you doing? I was just clearing my throat, Harlan. You were laughing at me. Harlan, tell me about the darkness. Look. I said it. When the lights go out, I get nervous. I don't know why I don't like a dark room. I need a nightlight. Stop laughing at me! Harland, I'm just clearing my nostrils. I have hay fever. You don't have hay fever. It's not even allergy season yet. Harland... Okay, are we done yet? Not yet, Holland. I'd like to do one more thing. Oh, and what's that? I'm going to go over to this light switch and click off the lights. What are you doing? D- don't touch that light switch. Ah, 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 where, where is everyone? Dr. Ascot, where are you? Stop laughing at me. I, ca- I can't see. Stop it. Why did you turn those lights off? 
I didn't touch them, Holland. You did so! You went right over there and tur- And I could hear you laughing in the dark. Holland, I was clearing my sinuses. Get out of here, Ascot! Holland? Get out! You're a freak! Now I'm scared of the dark and the light, because I have to look at you. Out! Holland, would you like to go into the closet and stand in the darkness? Get out of here! God, I hate Fridays. Harlan Williams here on the Harland Highway. Stop laughing! It's Harlan Williams. Oh, that guy is a freak. I don't know when I'm going to be through the therapy window, and I don't have to see that nut job anymore, but can you believe he turned the lights out on me? Dillweed. How about you? Are you afraid of the dark? Does the dark freak you out? Are you one of those people that uh, have to leave the door open a crack or keep a nightlight on or you make sure your closet is closed before you go to bed? I'll be honest with you. As an adult man, there are some times when my imagination gets away with me in the dark and um, I I still kind of go, I wonder if there's something under my bed. Right? I'm afraid to put my foot down. I'm afraid to look under the bed, even as an adult. Now, I'm not saying this happens every night, but every now and again, if you start to think about it, <laughs> you always think there's something under your bed. And you don't know what it is. It's, is it a man? Is it a creature? Is it a half man, half monster? It's, it's probably the most ambiguous entity there is. I mean, next to trying to figure out what God looks like, I wonder what that thing under my bed looks like. And then, you know, in the end, I finally bend down, and yeah, it's as scary as I thought. It's a pair of my old dirty underwear. Hello! <laughs> but um, it's funny because I'm, I'm not really afraid of the dark. In fact, I used to challenge the darkness. Now, now this is scary, and this is idiotic. I'm going to share a story with you. Like many things in life, I like to challenge things. I like to push the boundaries. I like to challenge my fear. You know, thus the stand-up career, the acting, you know. I I, I overcame the the terror of public speaking and being exposed in front of a room full of strangers. But this is what I used to do when I was was younger. Um, We used to have a cottage. We still have a cottage up in uh, northern Canada, and uh, me and my cousins, we used to go up to the road at night. And when you're in cottage country, when you're anywhere outside of the big city, man, it it is just pitch black. I mean, we would go up to the, the dirt road at the end of our driveway. We had this long dirt driveway at our cottage, led away from the lake and up to this dirt road, and we would go up there without flashlights, and we would just walk. We would walk down this road. You could barely see your hand in front of your face. And we would pretty much terrorize ourselves. But after a while, you get a little bit used to it. And believe it or not, the human eye actually adjusts pretty good to the darkness once you give it time. It needs about, you know, 15, 20 minutes. But... um According to some some stuff that I read about it, our night vision is not that bad, um, considering all the critters in the animal kingdom. Um, 
Now, we don't have the night vision of an owl, but, um, you know, our, our night vision is not as horrible as you'd think once your eyes do the adjusting. Um, but nonetheless, it's scary when you're out in nature and you're walking around in the pitch black and you hear things rustling in the leaves and you hear movement and wind and, you know, the human imagination. Not only are you thinking about animals coming out, but you're thinking about Freddy Krueger. You're thinking about Jason from Friday the 13th. You're thinking, oh, there's just going to happen to be a murderer hiding in these bushes waiting for me in the middle of nowhere. Right? Okay, so that wasn't that bad because, you know, I had my cousins with me. And, um, and, uh, you know, we were, we were living in a, in a place, our cottage, you know, the, probably the most dangerous thing around would be a black bear and black bears, you know, aren't really known for attacking humans. And we were in a group, so there was always that possibility, but it never freaked us out that much. Now here's where I get stupid. Okay. I got even a little older. I was in my twenties and I moved to British Columbia for a little while to be with uh, my girlfriend at the time. We lived in a little shack um, out there in British Columbia. And literally, you know, about a five-minute walk from my front door, I could be in the middle of, you know, just incredible Rocky Mountain nature. Okay, we were in the shadow of these jagged, towering Rocky Mountains with permanent tons of snow on the top. Uh, we, we had turquoise rivers winding around behind us. Uh, it was incredible. It's full-blown Rocky Mountain nature, okay? As, as beautiful and, and full of nature as you could get. So, you know, pushing myself to the limits of conquering the fear of darkness... I would go out at night by myself and do about, I guess it was about a three-mile walk. And I would literally walk away from any any semblance of civilization. I would walk away from any segment of the town or where we lived. And, you know, when you live out in the mountains, it doesn't take long till you're in the wilderness. One minute you're, like, at the corner store, and five minutes later you're in the wild, believe me. So I would do this. I would go out, and I'd do, like, this three-mile walk that cut around behind a mountain and through the woods and right down by a, a raging river and... I'd be like, all right, man, I'm pushing myself. And I I would take these late-night walks. And I realize now, looking back at it, how insane that was. I mean, I was in the middle of grizzly bear uh, country. I was in the middle of, uh, of, of mountain lion country. I mean, I, I still to this day wonder how many eyes were on me when I did that walk. And believe me, when I was doing it, I felt invigorated. I felt alive. I felt, ah, but let's be honest. A mountain lion comes pouncing on you out of the darkness. It's going to be like a shadow. You won't even know it's there. Your chances are nil. And I still can't believe I pushed it. But that's what you do when you're young. You're just invincible and you're taking on the world. And and it was crazy. And I did this a number of times. 
And uh, one night I did it. I actually, uh, my girlfriend's friend was there. She was living with us in this little cabin. Don't let your imagination run away. It wasn't like that. And one night my girlfriend had to work, so I asked her friend if she wanted to take one of these walks with me. And she's like, okay. So um, what made it a little easier is it was a full moon that night. So, you know, that, that helps. But when you're in a place where there's zero lights, it's still not a lot. So we walked all the way up. must have been about two, three miles. It was a different route. And it was getting late in the season. It was September. The rut was starting to happen, which is when, you know, all the giant hoofed animals in the forest start to uh, start to mate. All the male deer and elk and moose start to gather up their harem. So we walked all the way out to this little lake that I knew about. We sat on the shore of the lake, the full moon reflecting. It was very nice. It was enchanting. It was wonderful. And then walking back on this trail, all of a sudden we hear all this commotion and we hear howling and we hear stomping. And all of a sudden right in front of us, probably, you know, about 60 feet in front of us, just a herd of female elk start flying across the road. Okay, and then up comes this giant, massive male bull elk with a full rack of antlers. And if you've never seen a full-grown bull elk, they are huge. They have gigantic antlers. Their antlers must sit five or six feet high on their head. They're probably the pointiest, the sharpest, and the strongest of the deer family. And next to the moose, the elk is the largest of all deer. They're the second largest in the deer family. And this thing walked up and then walked to the other side of the trail right in front of us. And the rut was on and he was protecting his harem. And he just started smashing trees with his with his antlers. Just his, his rack was going back. He's just, and we're like trapped. Okay, now if that wasn't intimidating enough, cut to there was a pack of coyotes there had to have been about seven or eight of them who were following this pack of elk and so now they're running around they're in hunting mode they're excited they're all jacked up i can see their eyes glowing in the moonlight and they're like right so there's this hunt going on. I'm in the middle of the hunt. There's a pack of uh, female elk. The male elk is trying to protect his harem. He's smashing the hell out of trees. And here's me and this white girl from the suburbs of Canada standing in the middle of it. No one around to help. And she's like, what the hell do we do? And I said, you know what? The coyotes are interested in the elk. I don't think they're interested in us. The elk is focused on smashing the hell out of that tree. Let's walk right through the middle of it and see if we get to the other side. And that's what we did. We just confidently, I said, don't show any fear. Just think confidence. Animals sense fear. We walked right through the middle of basically a National Geographic special. (laughs) And it was terrifying. But it was fun, and it was interesting, and that's my my darkness story. And thank God that's as bad as it got. Because you know what? In the end, I could have been attacked by a, a grizzly bear. I could have been mauled by a cougar. 
And worse than anything else in the darkness, I could have been assaulted by Dr. Ascot. Alan. Yeah, that's right. I said you, creepy. Alan, I'm going to turn the lights off now. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Alan. No, 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 no. Don't do that. No. <gasps> ah! Ah! Where are you? Where? Hey, who just touched me? Alan. Hey, what was that on my ass? Alan. Ah! I'm whipping you with my tie, Alan. Ah! We gotta go. We gotta go. This is Harlan Williams. In the dark on the Harlan Highway. Sing. Until next time. Chicken chow mein. Where are you, Ascot? Ah!